you and a jerk. You know it's time to get this work. The real raw, gutter, uncut cocaine. No political corrections. Always sleep. Fuck being awoke. We discuss politics and jokes. We lick. There's levels to this shit. Before you were sucking on your mama's tits. Airy Spears don't give a fuck. We talk about race a lot. Racism. Sexism. Much love to my loyal bitch bag holders. Rollers, clip loaders. We got them in the folders. The whole world on our shoulders. Spears and Steinberg. Yeah! Run up and get touched up. Suicide. <laughs> and all of y'all know my style. I know this makes no sense. Welcome, everyone. And you know how I tell you sometimes I just have weird dreams? Yeah. I had a dream last night that Dr. J and I were building something in his garage, and he gave me a stern lecture on health and exercise. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it? That's it. Did you get any good tips from it that you remember? I don't even remember what he told me. But I was in Dr. J's garage. Uh, speaking of basketball, <laughs> um, Brandon from the UK, we're not going to talk long about this, but we have to address it because it's in the now. And this is America, and something historic is about to possibly take place. So you might want to go refill your mug with tea and get you another croissant or crumpets uh, and sit this one out. Brandon from the UK, Coxsackie. And now for some current events. Yes, you know somebody wrote in the uh, in the the uh, YouTube comment section. God damn, man, Brandon is getting a lashing from this nigga. <laughs> so it happens when you fuck with us American boys. USA, USA. Um, real quick in basketball news, we are on the cusp of history. Yeah. Uh it's never been done in the history of the NBA. You said and it, I, and you I, said it like Trump, though. Who me? Yeah, right now when you said it. It's never been done in the history of the NBA. <laughs> oh. Um and I had always wondered in my lifetime, will I, would I see this happen? And it may not happen, but we're on the cusp. No team has ever come back from an 0-3 deficit to win a series. And Boston is one win away from making history. Now, here's my question to you. Whose ass is going to be tighter? Now, you would think Boston's at home so they could be relaxed, but they know they're on the cusp of history. So they may come out not as loose as you would assume, but Miami's ass could also be tight because they know they'll be on the losing, embarrassing end of history for having blown a 3-0 start. So whose ass is tighter, the Celtics or the Heat? Uh, I, I still have to say it's the Celtics because on paper, they're right. a better team than the number two they seed. Would, right. Uh, it's a home game. Mm -hmm. But you're asking them to win four in a row. So that's a lot. So that's why, like when we talked about this last week, I knew, I, I said Boston would win the next two. And I thought they had a chance to do this, but it's like you said, never been done. And I right. really felt, and with, with them being in Miami last night, I thought they could pull that game off. I, I, I really right. thought Miami would pull the game off and, and not hating. Did Miami choke? No, I, I you know. This this game's gone. They they've played these games this those way oh the whole time. So I'm right. not saying anybody choked. But with that three seconds left, that inbound pass 
and the shot going up, it seemed like it was up there a little longer than three seconds because that's what they had, three seconds. And I don't know who the, shot it. Uh, the, the Celtics shot it. Oh, oh, right, right, okay. At the very end with three <clears throat> seconds left. Right. And I thought that the time would expire before they were able to get that tip in. And it didn't. And I'm not saying one way or the other. I saw that uh, Celtics earned it. When I when we talked about this last week, I thought the Celtics really did have a chance because on paper, they were the stronger team. And I felt that they could get their get it together, right. that they could take it. And uh, and I predicted, too, and then they would lose this, this uh, last game. And uh, it, it didn't happen that way. You know, the, the, the TNT crew... <clears throat> I think it was Kenny Smith. It was a little bit of all of them, Kenny, Chuck, and Charles. And they all basically were like, man, they didn't say it, but they were alluding to, this feels funny. Yeah. Like, like, like if, if they said, if Boston don't put them away 4-2, and this were to go 3-3? Boston has a great chance because it's at home. It's at home. But is Boston going to get tight because they know we're in history. We could make history. And we're going to get tight because if we lose, we we lost and we weren't expected to lose because we're the higher seed. But it's the history factor going to fuck with them. You know, Miami really doesn't have... I, I know this sounds fucked up. As much as they put into it, they don't have anything to lose. No one's going to look back and go, well, they could. because it's, they, it's, they, You they, blew a 3-0 three three lead. lead. But... We knew that was going to happen at some time in this history. The, the question is what they're going to say, and this is what I feel. The Cinderella story, their their glass uh, tennis shoe had broken. The glass, right. you know, high top, ha- it has cracked. Right. So that, that I do feel bad for. But really, when it comes down to it, the guys in the locker room, they're playing. They've been playing on house money for a while. Yeah. So I, I they could come out really loose. That's but gonna I, I'm going to tell you the thing that was sad to me, and it was uh, if you if you watched the game, uh, after, in, during the timeout, you saw uh, Jimmy Butler just goes, just one stop. He put up his finger, looked at everybody, one stop. That's all he needed is just one stop. And they got kind of the one stop. The ball right. didn't go in. Right. So they didn't get the one stop. They got the tip in. So uh, for, you know, for him, I, I feel, t- you know, you feel bad for someone that you saw work so hard. Right. But, you know, I, I also believe the Celtics are a great team and they, they have every, they deserve every right to be, to be in this position. Dude, this is a coin flip to me. Let me, let me, let me, let, let, let's do this. You are a news reporter for the local Boston sports news station. And you're just in the streets of Boston uh, before the game starts interviewing people as they're coming into the arena. And all I need you to do is just say, sir, sir, stop me and, and ask me about if the Celtics are going to make history tonight. Oh, everybody in Boston thinks they're going to make history. No, no, but you're the reporter. Yeah. And you're at the, oh, you're okay, on the okay, streets. Okay, so I'm asking you. And you're at, you okay, I'm yeah. a random, oh, you yeah. just stop a random person. I'm walking <laughs> and you just stop me. You know where I'm going? <laughs> no, I just thought about a, like a white reporter in Boston yelling something at a black dude to stop. <laughs> to ask a question on the street and right. how he would do it. And right. it just started cracking me up because oh, okay. uh, it just, it's Boston. But I'm just a regular... <laughs> And you stop me. Yo, black man. No, 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 no. Don't, don't put a color on it. Don't put a color on it. But I hear you. It's Boston. Right, I know. Yo, uh, tonight's the big game. What do you think? Who's winning? Celtics or by the Heat? <clears throat> well, I got to tell you, kid. Here's what I think. I think if the fucking Celtics really want to fucking win the game, they got to bring back fucking Larry Bird, kid. 
I know he's fucking old, but come on, it's fucking bird kid. The guy's fucking all time. He's fucking wicked kid. And I mean, if you really want me to be honest with you, there's really no way he's in the fucking Celtics. And the Celtics have traditionally always been white. I mean, you got a bunch of fucking niggas that are running around trying to fucking, you know, live up to the Bostonian name kid. I mean, Larry fucking Bird. I mean, who do you got? You got Jalen fucking Brown and you got Jason Tatum. One looks like an uncooked cookie and the other one looks finished. Like, come on, kid. But if you really want to seal the fucking deal, who they need to put on the court is Larry Bird. Now stay with me. Tom fucking Brady. Give him a fucking uniform, kid. He's the greatest Anglo-Saxon, cliff chin, square jawed white man to ever fucking live. He's what we call a purebred. He's a fucking purebred. You put Larry Bird and fucking Tom Brady in a Celtics uniform, they're going to make fucking history. I fucking guarantee it. The name's Bobby Patterson, by the way. Those fucking white guys, they're fucking diaper. I, I thought this might be where you're going, but I was like, how is he going to get? how is he going to get to Tom Brady? Oh, fucking Tom Brady's in everything. <laughs> I don't give a shit what it is. Tom could do no fucking wrong. He could be a rapper. He could be a fucking welder. He could play football. The fucking guy could be a boxer. He could do anything, kid. You fucking put Tom Brady in position and it's fucking success. <laughs> I fucking guarantee it, kid. I'm besides, I mean, like, come on, let's be honest. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. It's like looking at a fucking sugar cookie and a deep, 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 deep molasses mocha chocolate chocolate chip, which is tastier. The whiter the better. <laughs> Bobby Patterson. Can't wait for the fucking game, kid. I'm going to jizz all over myself till I'm in a coma. You ever jack your dick so much and you shoot so much semen, you just in a fucking coma? <laughs> all right. Uh, number two. This, and you know, it saddens me to talk about this brother because I, I was a Bulls fan and I, and I love number 33. But if Scottie Pippen ain't the most disloyal, I'll call him now Salty Pippen. If this ain't the most disloyal, fucking traitorous, crash bandicoot, tiki mask looking straight, pointed down, arrow nose motherfucker. What the fuck is he doing? I'm playing the clip. It's not long at all. This is for almost turned into Tom Brady. I'm paying a fucking clip. Uh, what is this dude doing, man? And you know, it's funny. Uh, people in the comments were like, oh, if you really listen to what he said, all he's saying is that Michael Jordan wasn't a team player. He was a selfish ISO one-on-one -on -one guy. That's not what Scotty said. And you guys are trying to decipher what he said when he said what he fucking said. Here we go. Him or Michael, like, LeBron will be the greatest statistical guy to ever play the game of basketball. And there's no comparison to him. None. So, does that make him the greatest player to ever play the game? I'll leave that out for debating because I don't believe that they're the great player because our game is a team game and one player can't do it. So like, far, so far. I seen Michael Jordan play before I came to play with the Bulls. You guys seen him play. He's a horrible player. He was horrible to play with. He was all one-on-one. -on -one. He's shooting bad shots. And all of a sudden, we become a team and we start winning. Everybody forgot who he was. 
Everybody forgot who he was. He was a player that really winning wasn't at the top of his category. Uh huh. If that's not the biggest Scooby Doo, huh? what the fuck is this nigga talking about? He said when he first got to Chicago, MJ was a horrible player. When was Jordan ever a horrible player? He said when they started winning, he was forgotten about. He wasn't talked about. When Michael started winning, winning, he, that's all people talked about. From the water coolers to the barbershops to the dice games, niggas in the streets to the prison cell blocks and the prison yards. What the fuck is this nigga talking about? Well, the reason it's 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 painful for me to hear that because I was a Scottie Pippen fan. And now Salty Pip, man. I mean, I can't get behind this because, first of all, Jordan knew when they went to the team game that he was going to, to he wasn't going to be the highest score in the league anymore. And he gave that up to win championships. Yes. So that's the opposite of what he's saying. As far as, as far as when they came together and he joined the team, he was still one of the Jordanaires. Yes. And, 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 and prior to Pippen's arrival, and even during the early part of Pippen's arrival with Grant, and the switch over from Doug Collins to Phil. Yo, the team wasn't great. Mike had to be the dude until he, until Scottie Pippen's own admission on the last dance. Mike put me under the wing. He, I needed that. Mike turned Pip into a hur, 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 alpha dog. Mike was always hur, 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 alpha dog. Scottie was not an alpha dog. Scottie was a little puppy, a scared little puppy. So Mike said, nigga, get your weight up. And then, like you said, once Phil said, hey, man, you being the score, winning the scoring title every year, that ain't going to win us the chip. You have to believe in your teammates, trust your teammates, run the triangle, and we'll be successful. Mike finally bought in, hence six rings. But prior to that, Mike had to do it. What the fuck is Scotty talking about? But when you say statistically, I can't say statistically. Statistically? Statistically. Yes. When, he, when you say that. Uh, there's a lot of people that have great, great numbers. Right. But that doesn't make them champions. Yeah. That doesn't make them the greatest ever. Right. I mean, if you, you need were, a team, if, if you no, but even if you really want to get to it, go, go to uh, uh, Jerry. Uh, uh, what's the co- What was the, 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 the logo, the logo, Jerry West, Jerry West, unbelievable player, but he couldn't right. get the championship. Right. That was his thing that they, they, they talk about in, in, in every book that's been written about him. That bothered him. He didn't want to lose. You have to have will and you have to have skill and then you have to have a team and a coach and around. You have to, those ingredients are necessary, but you need, you need, there's so much that you need. I, I don't understand how Scotty said this. Listen, and to it the goes pe- against everything that we've already said. Yes, and seen. Seen. We've seen it's, it. It's in the books. It, it's, it's historical. It's on paper. It's on film. Listen. And I, it's so crazy arguing with some of these motherfuckers. And I don't know if this was just because they want to keep. Uh, and this for me was more about Jordan and Pip than it was LeBron. But I think some of the LeBron fans, because they want to make it about the LeBron thing. They're defending Scotty and going, well, listen, Scotty played with the man. He should know. Scotty knows what we don't know. Come on, man. Let's call a spade a spade. We know what this is about. The way he was portrayed on the last dance, because he didn't go in and take the, the he wasn't allowed to go in and take the shot over Ku Coach. He he and the fact that and this is the most dumbest thing ever, when he said, if I had it to do all over again, I wouldn't change a thing. Despite Bill Cartwright 
crying in the locker room. Despite the fact that Scotty himself, as Steve Kerr said, apologized to the team. Said, I know I let you guys down. I know I gave up on you. I I shouldn't have done that. My bad. That ain't me. But then in the same breath, you go, if I had it to do all over again, I would. That's on Scotty. The fact that he's upset that his contract wasn't what he wanted it to be. Nobody told you to accept that deal. That's on Scotty. Scotty has to take responsibility for Scotty and stop blaming Michael. Michael didn't force him to sign that deal. Michael didn't force him to sit out and cry like a baby during the middle of a playoff and quit on his team. And Mike, you know, let's, you know, Mike's, Mike's son is, you know, giving his ex, Scotty, ex is Scotty's ex, the baby goat dick. So now you combine all of that. And that's what Scotty is salty about. So stop trying to defend Scotty or make that shit rationalize that bullshit by going, uh, he played with Jordan. He should know how we know better than the man that played with him. Fuck out of here. And Michael told you on the last dance. Hey, if some people want to perceive me as an asshole because I had to put my foot in your ass and I had to pull people along when they didn't want to be pulled, winning comes with a price. And if you don't like that, well, then you never won anything. I, I think the other way. That I'm she, sorry. And, and, and Will Perdue said, was he an asshole? Damn right he was an asshole, but he was a hell of a teammate. Because of him, we won. Hey, I don't have to do this. So I play the game. If you want to play that way, don't play that way. Two Great. things. Two things. Will Perdue, though, when he said that, never said that he likes Jordan. He said he's an asshole. You damn right. But that's what I mean. He never, right. So friendship be damned. It was about the championship. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. So that's all that was. Uh, and the other point that I had is gone. <laughs> oh, it left. It left. <laughs> it left. It left the building. Your, your points be like. My uh, points are like Elvis, dude. No, no. Your they points, left the building. No, no. Your points are like uh, bad black fathers. <laughs> don't be there for the kids. You make promises you can't keep. You like Will Smith's dad and Fresh Prince. To hell with him! I'm trying to remember. It was it was a good point. It was a good point, but uh, it's gone. Listen, man. Uh, like Mike said, and I think that sums it up, winning comes with a price. And, you know, pain, suffering, you know, blood, sweat, tears. So come on, man. And we know <clears throat> Mike needed Scotty like Scotty needed Mike. They needed each other. So stop with that shit, too, because you motherfuckers love to make that point that we Jordan fans, stands, think that Mike did it alone. No, we don't. And Mike also admitted in the last dance and, he t- and, and, and during his Hall of Fame speech, anytime you saw me with a chip or holding that trophy, Pip was right there with me. That's why I consider him my greatest teammate of all time. When people think me, they got to think like a Scottie Pippen, too. He gave him his props. Scotty's just salty, man. <laughs> that nigga's just salty. It's it's embarrassing. It's hard. It's cringy to watch. It is. Oh, that's what I was gonna because, say. Oh, stop asking his his teammates. If you really want to know how good Michael Jordan was, ask the people who played against him. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Because those are the people that had to defend him. Right. Those are the people that who talked shit and ended up getting the business end of uh, of Jordan's. Uh, this is the way it is. Right. So uh, I, I'm tired of hearing Scotty. I, you know, and, but going back to that one, I like Scotty. I do too, man. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, Salty Pippen. See, he, he needs. I'm almost scared to buy a jar of planters because <laughs> I'm thinking I'm going to be digging around 
past the almonds and the pistachios and the cashews and find Pip's nuts in the, in the, in the jar. <laughs> He 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 does. He has to get some therapy, man. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. He's he's angry. He's angry, dude. He's bitter. Jesus Christ! And like you said, we've seen it. So it ain't like this is the Wilt Chamberlain hundred point game that nobody saw. So we have to take the word. We saw it. We saw the highlights. We've seen the films. The Come Fly with Me's, the Above the Rims. We've it's documented. So for you to go, he was a terrible player. Where? When? He was never talked about. Where? When? <laughs> Mike owned the 90s. He owned it. Oh, it, it's crazy. All right. Ready to talk some dude, mama? Yeah. Man, folks, if you have not seen it, I'm telling you, you have to. It is a must watch. Tupac Doc about him and his mother, Afini Shakur, on Hulu. Five episodes. Five episodes, an hour in episodes. Five, an goes hour in episode, quick. quick. Five. It goes by, you know it's good when you can't wait to get to the next one, but you don't want the one you're watching to end. Yeah. It, 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 it's, I, I kept, to the next one. To the, it was when you're going. You know, I got. I, you know, I'm gonna. I'm gonna pause it after this. I'm gonna, and then you just. Nah, I can't pause it here. And you, yeah. And you got to watch the next one. Yeah. Dude, I gotta say, uh, and I hate to say it, but you know, it just seems like with all of his shenanigans, right or wrong, provoked or not, Tupac was destined for death. Because a lot of the shit he did, it's like. Dude, you are playing on that line, man. Like, you just can't. And I mean, and, and listen, I, the same point I'm making now will even more so be made on the final episode, which is, of course, the ending. You know, the Tyson fight, the shooting. But, and, and, I, and I'm saying that to speak to something his one, I think his sister said, where it was like, when he got into the fight with the, the ex-gang member, because they said he, he snatched one of our boys' death row chains. And that's when Pac went ballistic and helped on the beatdown. And his relative was like, Pac, what are you doing? You are not a gang member. You are a fucking artist. You're a street nigga, but you're an artist. Why are you doing gang shit? You know, and, and, and she goes, I saw that footage of him when they stopped the guy out at the MGM lobby. And she was like, I cringed. What are you doing? You're not a gang. You're not about that life. And that life comes with death. And it just... But, you know, between the driving in the car, giving the people the middle finger and spitting at the camera and he just, you know, and it's unfortunate because we lost a great soul. But this motherfucker looked death in the face and said, bring it. Um, as we go through this, uh, I want to add to that point right. as we go through it, though. But you said that thing where he's uh, he's his, his body. Is out of the car and he's flipping on. Right. Dude, I, I, and I smiled when we started talking about that right now because uh, it makes me laugh every time I see that. Right. Because just his, the way he's moving, right. he, he looks like a South Park character because he's, <laughs> he's moving in a way that doesn't seem human like, mm -hmm. almost like on a stick, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's like, and he's hanging While out of the, the car. the car is driving, driving and right. turning. Turning, right. And he's just the way he's right. doing it. Every time I see that, I start right. laughing. I can't help it. And it's not against him. Right. It just looks such like a character. It doesn't right. look like a, re a real person to me at that moment. Right. Um, but, 
that was one of the only times I think I laughed in this thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, this is a ser- this is a this this is a serious look at not just himself but his mother and then his they're both their lives. You know, you forget when he died or was ki- you know when he died and he was killed. He was in his twenties. He's twenty five. Right. And when you're in your twenties and the, the, your youth, especially from teenage years, but especially in your twenties. You're in the prime of your life, which means you lack a certain level of maturity. You lack a certain level of patience. You lack a certain level of understanding. You're a warrior. And when you come from what Pac did with the background of his mom and the Panthers, streets, poverty, street niggas, thug life. Unless you got somebody a la a father figure type to pull your coattails and go, nigga, calm down. Or you're going to die. I don't see how there was any other way. And 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 the one person that they alluded to who was kind of like a father figure, Suge, if the devil was a person. Like it, it just, it, there's no way he could have lived to be 40 acting that way at 20 with no one to reel him in. Because at 20, you know, I, when I used to hang out at bars and by maybe 30s and even even now when I hang out at a bar, but not really a bar, but clubs really. Young dudes, man, with alcohol, they want to fight. They want to fight because that's that 20-year-old in you. You want to prove something. You want to put your dick on the table. Nigga, when you get in your 40s, you don't want to fight. You don't even want to move fast. Something will click in your body and shut you down. You want to chill. Dude, old gangsters talk about this all the time. They talk about it all the time. Any interview that you see with an old gang, the, these old gangsters right. talk about looking for the peaceful solution versus the right. Um, this is really different, though, and this is this is what makes it so different because now you have to decide: is it is it his upbringing? Is it his understanding, or was there just something that was different? Was he cut from a different cloth because he didn't have to be about like his sister said? That's not who you are. That's that's, that's not your life. And but it was. It was. But not like, nigga, there's a difference between a nigga who's a recording artist who grew up in poverty and, and grew up around street shit versus a gang member. Their whole oath is about kill or be killed. But they talk about that. His, 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 to protect, to protect black men at all costs. And he also said it was disappointing when a black man did him in. But. I'm not. We're jumping way far ahead. I know. I know. I know. I know, I got you. Yeah, but I'm. But I'll say it anyway. The fight that they believe instigated this whole thing. Right. It was him and a black man. Yes. So he broke his. Before that, when he got shot at the studio, going to go see Big, it was black men. Yeah, but he broke his oath when he stomped a black dude. Mm. Right, but by then the damage psychologically it was already done. done. I think I, I don't think that was the same. This we jump way too far ahead now. Let's let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Uh, and I have to, I have to ask you this because I see similarities in them, even though I don't think DMX was as wild. DMX's biggest fall downfall demon was drugs. You know, uh, Pac was being Pac. But I was going to ask you. Here's my question: As far as artists, because and this is why I say, listen, I've always liked Pac. I've always had a respect for Pac, but I still stand when I say I never thought Pac was the greatest lyricist. But with songs like Dear Mama, Brenda's Got a Baby, Changes, Pac Touched Your Soul 
from a human standpoint, as well as I believe DMX. DMX knew how to make the lowest common denominator, the lowest street level person feel like something. He was their voice. He was their energy, their fire. Who, who, who do you think had more of an impact on somebody's soul? Pac or X? Pac. You think so? I only do because I, and I said this to you before and you disagreed with me. Pac approached rap as if Martin Luther King was a, was a rapper. Mm -hmm. He gave you spiritual messages. He gave it to you with that cadence that had that, that, listen, listen. I know you said that, but I, I see more X, I mean, more, more Malcolm X and Pac. No, I, no. Pac came from the Panthers. What's more Pantherish than the photo of Malcolm X looking out the blinds with the AK-47? Look at that's the, Pac's energy. Look at the words that he is. He's writing poetry. They're studying Pac as a poet. I'll go 50-50 then. I see what you're saying. On words. Words. The beauty of words. And painting the and picture. And a message. And letting you know where Martin your spirituality is. Martin Luther King. But the nigga out the car giving you the finger and spitting but in the that's camera. Not, that's Malcolm X. But that's not his lyrics. No, and Malcolm X wouldn't do that. I don't mean literally. Yeah, but but that's why I'm saying this is this is the complexity of uh, of someone like when we talk about Pac. Uh, but I do see his message, the way that he's delivering it. And and his and you know his ideology when he at the very beginning I don't believe in racism black white Mexican he talks about it it's, right. he talks about it in a, in a way that Malcolm did not Malcolm wants to talk Malcolm was like fuck everybody black people at first yeah at first right and Pac was like Pac was more on the Martin Luther King thing at that time that's why I'm saying this and when you listen to how he raps. When he hits beats, it's almost like those pauses that Martin Luther King takes in a speech. Right. You know what? I I'll give you that. I'll give you a little bit of that because that actually brings me into my next point. When you look at the, especially the young Pac, when he had hair, especially when he was, I think, kind of in his teens, there was such a an innocence to him. Uh, 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 oh, that seventeen-year-old! What you're seeing? Yeah, and with, that, the, with the black. Just, and just to let these people, right. everybody know who hasn't seen this yet, they have tapes with them in high school, yes. seventeen. Yes, and they go back to those tapes. Yes, going and to that's yes. what's, that. That really brings you in because the other thing that uh, just so we get right. this other, he died at twenty-five. You're right. seeing him at seventeen. Right. We're talking an eight-year time span from high school to death. Okay. So, and when he was in theater class, you see him with the photos surrounded by white people. They, were, they interviewed a couple white people who he was friends with, and they all say the same thing. What I'm saying is, early in his life, there was a pureness, an innocence, a child. He had a beautiful smile. When he wanted to smile, you couldn't help, as they said, everybody loved him. Women were drawn to him. When he smiled and let you in, which, you know, he was open to doing, he seemed like a, a beautiful, innocent soul. When did it turn? I see. I think you missed something in there. He was beautiful. I think he was beautiful, positive, everything that you're saying. But there was a realization that he had because when he's 17 and he's talking that he goes, he goes, uh, and he's talking about being free is not going to happen in my mom's lifetime. He goes, and then he smiles. He goes, it's not going to happen in my lifetime. So we're talking about someone who is very aware of his surroundings, who he is as a person, and the world around him. And I don't think that he, the, the, I don't think there's as much innocence there. I think there's a realism there. Because to be, he saw, he saw himself as a light in this world. 
Right. I think he always saw himself as that because that statement at that beginning, when I heard that, my I, my skin seriously, like I felt it because he said, my, it's not going to happen. Freedom's not going to come in my mom's time, in, in her time. And it's not going to come. And then he goes, and it's not going to come in mine. And when he said that, I really realized who this person was, where he saw what the, right. the, his reality and he wanted to be the light in this. And I think that there was a responsibility at that moment that he already had at that age. But do you think he meant freedom from a like black people? We free or he took my death, freedom and death. No, he's talking about no, no freedom in oh, okay. in, 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 in 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 life. Okay. Black people being free, free of, of, of whatever, you know, and this is something else that I, I I'm going to say it this way, because what and by, I know I, I can just hear this, but his version of what free is. We all have different versions of what free is. I'm, I, I understand that there's, but his version of free wasn't about his personal success. His version was how he saw people being free, all people. And that that's, right. a, and so I don't think that that stops with even just black people being free. He wanted a free society right. in his head, the way he said it. And that's why I'm saying his version of free was that everybody was was living a different kind of life than what he saw. And I, honestly, I can't even imagine that life. So I, I I see someone who at that age was already older than that. Right. Yeah. No. Listen. At, at you know, that's almost like prodigy type shit. You know, to be that young and be that astute uh, is is remarkable. To have that kind of foresight. At that young age, but yeah. but is that partially from growing up with a mom who was a panther and did that skew what he was looking for? Do you think that that I and listen, uh, I I I didn't the Panthers in theory I have no problem with. I don't believe in a Marxist agenda, but the Panthers themselves I don't I, I what they were doing, <clears throat> what they wanted, what the the, the ideas. I, I was I was personally understood those ideas. I think that it was wrong. Obviously, what the FBI did and how they broke the, the Panthers down. Right. Um, but all that being said, does that ideology coming up in that watching what your mom goes through, watching what the government did to a group of people, affect you in a way that is so deep that I don't think that you ever recover from as you're growing up from it as a young man? Right. And looking at your surroundings and and and, and having things that are being told to you confirmed. Right. It's a, it's a different life, man. I, 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 and he had to be very aware to see this the way that well, he saw Well, the Panthers, uh, and as, as we get further into this, to me is its own interesting, deep conversation. But before that, I thought something was really interesting when they said, and you know, like most kids, black kids that grow up in the streets and grow up in the ghettos and hardships, often, you know, as a, as a, way, as a means to make money, turn to drugs. And I thought it was interesting when they said, his empathy level was too low to be a successful crack dealer because he cared too much for black people. But then I thought, but yet he seemed to keep perpetuating the stereotype of street life. So how healthy was that for black people? He was perpetuating what he felt he was viewed as. I know, but... And this is the life that we we, li we lead. I know, but if you if you are... Whether you like it or not, if you are a role model, as most rappers and athletes and famous people are to the youth, and you talk about who's a better example, Jay-Z or Tupac, it's where you could, can go. Is that what you're saying? No, I, I just, I just, it's like you're saying, 
you're trying, you, on one hand, you're going, I don't want to sell drugs because I know the effects that drugs has on my community and what it does to my people. And I have too much love for my people to hurt them. But yet this responsibility that I have as an artist, I also, that also comes with a power. And I'm portraying thug life and nigga killing the nigga killing the killing the shoot nigga and motherfucker nigga and guns and and some of the youth may look at that and want to emulate that without understanding really the deeper messages to what you're saying. Understood. But then okay, so now flip it. Now you have you have Jay Z who sold crack, made a great living at it, where he almost didn't go into becoming a rapper because of it, and once he makes that changes his outlook how he how he moves through uh the day and how he sets up to show people what you can be but it's, but but he unlike Pac, has been able to do that because he's alive well i and, understand and that. that maturity and growth comes i can't be a drug i can't talk about drugs forever i'm not a businessman i'm a business man right and to be a business man that comes with a level of you can't be Pac in the streets, nigga, fucking thug, and and be a business man. But do you think Pac ever wanted to be a businessman? Do you, yes. Or do you think he wanted to be someone who changes yes. the condition? Yes. And they, that they, changing the conditions more important than being a businessman. He, he's. They said throughout the doc, he was planting the seeds for his future with, you know, owning companies. Uh, production companies doing his own thing, blah, blah, blah. But again, cut short because of his own shenanigans. I, I think there's some place where you can see that there's a, that honestly, I, I think when he early on in the first episode, you're going to see the episode where he starts to have a little bit of money and they want him to get a bank account. And that's when he has the run in with the cops. Right. And I think that's the moment that, he can't let that go. He's always going to be the person that... See, and that's what I was saying. When did it turn? I think that's the moment it turns. I think the moment where he is innocently <coughs> jaywalking, right. which if you, have any, any, if you have any reference living in New York, everyone jaywalks. It's right. not... It, it's not allowed in New York, though? It's, it's, they can give you a ticket for it, oh. but you know, they're really... Like he said, why, why are you giving... Why, really, why are you doing this to me? There's right. no one gets a ticket for it unless they want to give you a ticket. Right. And then they brought up that he was, he's, they say he's a rapper. You got to have proper respect for the police. So they they're making they, fun of his name. name. So yeah. there's some issues there. So he saw him, he, everything that his life through his life that he was told how he was viewed, right. How he was going to be thought of no matter what he did, no matter what success he had, no matter what he, that's his view. And I think that never left him at that point. I think from that point on, He's going. He, that's where the thug life comes from because that's who. Right. That's who I only. That's who I, I'm only allowed to be. Right. Yeah. I. You know. <clears throat> again, I just wish, and I would think that with all them brothers in the Black Panthers, th those men who in the Black Panthers prided themselves as revolutionaries and being responsible men, no one could pull his coattail and go, brother. Tone it down a little bit. Let me put you under the wing. Let me let me help protect you from you. But you saw what was happening with a lot of those guys. They were they were on drugs. They had heroin problems. Mm. They weren't the they weren't the idea of what they wanted and what happened. Whether it was whether you want to blame whether it's the system that caused this or not, 
it still happened to him. And so where, where were the, who was going to be there for him? Hmm. Interesting. One of the things that I loved that they brought up, because even I didn't know this, um, about the Black Panther Party, Brother Mutulu Shakur learned acupuncture to help black people get off heroin. <clears throat> so there's that. Of course, I knew about the lunch programs where they would help feed breakfast and lunch, breakfast and lunch to, the, to the poor kids in the neighborhood and the community. And I don't think enough was ever promoted <clears throat> to know the good that they did within the community because the only thing I constantly saw was the images of them with guns. And I mean, obviously, if you understand within the context of what was going on, they did it to arm themselves and to protect themselves and because they had the Second Amendment. So this, to me, leans into what you always talk about with the media and how racist and fucked up the media is because I got to go, it can't be any coincidence that the media didn't cover that part. They didn't tell you that part. They just wanted to show you niggas with guns, which scares mainstream white America. Niggas with berets and leather jackets and guns. Oh, shit. White folks, lock your doors and put away the kids. Well, and when it would be brought up, when they would bring up the fact that they had breakfast programs, they had social programs. Uh, I never knew in this that you'll find out is that the, the patient's bill of rights for doctors in the hospitals came through the Panthers. I had no idea right. that was true. So that was eye-opening for me. I had no idea about that. Right. But that being said, they always do the juxtaposition where the Panthers have guns and they're, they're, they're violent. They're basically put them at, you know, that they're Marxist. So communism, the communism part, and they want to, their revolution, they want to overthrow the government. Hey, but they have breakfast too, that they feed the kids. That's kind of how they put it out there. So by the time you heard breakfast for the breakfast and lunch programs, he didn't care about it anymore because yeah, they put it out there to scare white America. Right. That's how the media worked at that time. And it was, the media was uh, more conservative at that time. Right. Uh, and you know, I wrote down, I, I wrote down, I was like Andy's point, race and economics. I'm starting to see Andy's point a little bit. Andy brings up blacks are just as detrimental to ourselves. Uh, and then I wrote, I, I don't know why I wrote this. So I can't even remember, but I wrote me. Yes. From a Hollywood sense. Um, and I can't remember where I was going with that last part when I said that, because, you know, I, I know what it was, it, but but how I tie this into what your point was. Yeah, because I, I go and I've always said this. It's hard enough for us to make it in this bi business with white folks uh, being at being the gatekeepers. It's crazy when you know that there are so many black gatekeepers that sometimes are harder on us than the white ones. So, it, it, and I'm trying to figure out how I can tie this back into what you said. Because, but, but, but yeah, again, what you said earlier about, you know, Pac wanted to protect black people, but it was black people that did him in. Well, listen, I, I'm, let me see if I can share this real quick. I, and I, this is why I said this to you before. It, it has to be harder. It's hard. It has to be so much harder to be black, not just because you have to deal with white folks, but then right. you have to deal with black folks. Right. And you, and you would think that you wouldn't have to in terms of a give and take. I'm going to, if I can't pull this up real quick, I'll just, I'll, I'll just share what it was. But I, um, I saw this, this was a few years ago. There was, a, a, I think it was at the, it, it was Miss America, Miss Universe and Miss Teen, I think it was. 
all three were the first time ever, and they were all three black women. Mm -hmm. And if you read the responses underneath that they were all black women, it was so... Most of the responses were... Some people were, great, what a great time. Black people were being recognized, but more than 50% of them were... Yeah, of course. Look at them. They have European uh, uh, features. They're they're just w picking the ones that look white. There was no black pride in the fact that they had all three of them. It was solely to pick what was wrong with the fact that those three women were black. In the eyes of the world, even in your eyes, even if you didn't see it, and European features, I hate when I say European features are 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 are. are, are our North African features. Listen, this again, I've said this is, and I, I don't want to get off the Tupac thing, but the point is being made. So I want to expand on that. Black people, that's the beauty of us. We come in all flavors and facets. Yes, there are some black people whose noses and lips look like Yafit Koto, but that there are also some black people whose noses and lips look like Rick Fox. We, there's some of us with wide, strong, aggressive features, and there's some of us with smooth, more subtle features. This has got nothing to do with more black, less black. It's all black. Uh, but what's funny when you said Rick Fox, how much shit did Rick Fox get when he was when everybody was like, "That's a good-looking black man, right?" Pretty there. Ricky. Yeah, everybody. But there was people who hated on him. Yes. Black people, and this is why I say, again, I promise y'all, I'm not going to get on this tangent, but whether I say Obama, and I remember somebody, wrote, I read an email that somebody wrote in a, into us and said something about, yeah, Andy, blah, 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 and check Aries with his Obama fixation, because his love for Obama, like I said, whether it's Obama, whether it's Michael Jordan, when y'all go, Obama didn't do nothing for black people, I'm not going to get into that, but to the same point, Michael Jordan don't give a shit about black people. Cut to, like I said, when we saw Air and they and they said the James Jordan Foundation, blah, 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 and Michael Jordan something, something helps. I forget how many number of athletes feed and take care of their families. Who are the players predominantly in the in the league? Black. So Mike has helped black people, but niggas are never satisfied. We are the kings and queens of crabs in a barrel. But we, nigga, you, you, no matter how great one of us does, there's going to be more of us to say how it's not great. That's always been our mentality. And again, that comes from slavery. It has been ingrained in us. But no, there, there's house niggas versus field niggas, light skin versus dark skin. That's just a part of who we've been bred to be. But there's also defining what black is. Black American is is it an American person of African heritage? Is that what a black person is? Because black is uh, is 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 American. It isn't there. Everyone else has a destination, a, a country. So when you get into that, that does make the difference. Because right now, right now, I and I'm watching this happen more than ever. And you you've made comments about it. There's plenty of black skinned people is that okay the way i said that black yes. skinned people that are in movies that aren't black americans they're coming from all over the world and they're not and now and if i was black and i could play a part of a of a someone who 
was an authentic black American. And then they're getting people from uh, the UK or they're getting people from other, from France to play these characters. I I think t- I would be a little uh, upset with that idea too. I had a black person. I, I, I had people that are, I have people that said that they look at that as blackface just the same when they're playing, when they're using a, a person that's not from this country, who doesn't have the culture, who doesn't speak the same language or, or uh, the same dialect, and they're using them in place of American actors for American shows. You know, <laughs> listen, it just bothers me because, you know, it's about the work. Like, nigga, I won't give me the I'm more, trying more, to get the job. But but so the, this is the question. I think that this is part of what the reasoning is behind some of this right. is what is the definition of a black person? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I You know, listen. You know, when, when I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to, I can't, I'm not going to jump into this with both feet because I can't say I don't experience it the same way that you do. But from what I've seen, uh, people that are coming from, let's say, other parts of the world, uh, let's go with uh, the African continent and they come over to America. They're not really fond of black Americans, but a year later, they're treated the same as any other black person in America. They're they're hung out with they're, they're They're part of the culture, but they haven't experienced what black Americans have experienced. They haven't lived that life through it. So how do how do you there's a tough thing to reconcile here. I, I understand some of it, but then when I see something that's Miss Universe, Miss America, Miss Teen, that seems more uh homogenous, where that's just it just goes throughout the line of all people of, of color, where the, there should be some pride in that. But at the same time, what is yours? What is yours as an American black person? What is yours? Where, where do you draw the line? Where is that found? And it's, if it's confusing, if it's confusing to black America, imagine how confusing it is to white America trying to figure that out. But most of white America ain't trying to figure it out. No, I, I, I'd say that that's, I don't think it's their job to define it though. Not their job to define it, but it would help to try to understand Stand it. I, I, this, what, what did you just say? What word did you just use? Understand. To, to what? To, to understand it. Oh, fuck you. Um, yeah, my last note for this episode, and you already hit on it, uh, with the rap style cadence, Dr. King versus Malcolm X, which, again, I was adamantly uh, in disagreement with, with you about. But I, I, I get it, because if, if Tupac wasn't anything else, he was complex. And I think in that complexity, he was a little of both. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because, listen, man, for songs like Hit Him Up, which I'm jumping my note here, but it's a small note. But one of the one of the one of the greatest, most hardcore rap battles ever. He starts off. That's why I fucked your bitch, you fat motherfucker. And this was before the beat. <laughs> I'm saying, yeah. God damn! Like the beat is supposed to make you go. This is music. No, nigga, that was a war cry. That was declaring war. That's why I fucked your bitch, you fat motherfucker. You know, I remember I saw an interview where Diddy said, yo, when we would go places, this was right during the heat of that moment. And if the DJ played that shit, I shut the DJ down. Like, nigga, turn that off. That's how hardcore that shit was. So I'm saying that to say, yes, we know Pac had that in him. And he had it better than most. 
And this is why I go. When you talk about great lyricists, wordplay, metaphors, punchlines, soliloquies, well, Pac was a great storyteller. But those things, complexity, rhyme schemes, nigga, Jay-Z, DM, Jay-Z, DMX, Busta Rhymes, Nas, Eminem, Jadakiss, Big L. These are guys that are wordsmiths. To me, Pac was not a wordsmith. But when he made Dear Mama, something that you raised, man, but my, my plan is to make you un- understand how I'm fucking up. But his lyrics, Brenda's got a baby. Pac was a great storyteller and he made you feel. He, he made you feel. It's like he could reach into your chest and touch your soul. He hit the spirit, man. Yes, to see, like a preacher. Dear mama, when you raise me, name a lady. That nigga, when he, you know what I mean? So that's why I'm going, I understand the, DM, the, 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 the Malcolm X Martin thing. Because when he was fat, I fucked your bitch. That was X. But when he was Brenda and dear mama, that was Dr. King. So, yeah. Now, there's one other thing that we didn't cover in this before we end this because yeah. we got a, we got a couple minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pac shooting the cop. They didn't know it was the cop at the time, right? Uh, when he was beating up the black dude, yes. And he got his gun. Everybody right. didn't want to give him his gun. And right. He took those three shots. He said like a marksman, pop, 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 pop. Right. And then he said you, you missed. He goes, No, nah, I didn't. And then they went back to the hotel. And how everybody else, right. Was like what you know, and right. it was all hyped, and it was weird, and it was like you know, there's this thing, and and he was just like, day at the office, yeah. But then, even when he, I, I don't, I don't know if it was before he beat the charge. I think it was before he beat the charge, but whatever it was, and you know, he was arraigned or he was in court. But then when he's leaving, he's doing the George Jefferson exit, and they cut yeah, to yeah, somebody yeah. who said. You don't do that. No. You don't, you don't show up to court. You come in with a suit. And you and that's why I'm going, again, pox shenanigans. You, you're saying fuck you to the court. You. You're spitting in the camera. You. The, right. The fingers. The stomping the dude out at MGM. Like, dude, if nobody is pulling this nigga's coattail to go, bruh, you, 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 you on the A train to death, yo. Well, if you win, you don't have to gloat. And he won. When you gloat, it makes people go, how am I going to get him back? If you don't gloat, people right. just go, yeah, no, he deserved it. It was fucked up. Because I'm not, I, by the way, when I said that, I wasn't I wasn't glorifying him shooting the cop because he didn't know he was a cop at the time. Right. He just knew he was a dude. Hit, and it, But that just shows some of the nefarious things that were going on at that time. Right. And, and the cop was in the wrong. He was in the wrong. Right. He was, he was under, he, he, he was doing something it wouldn't have worked out that way if there wasn't probably even more to it that came out in that case. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, it's youth. Youth gets the best of you when you want to tell her. But does, now let me ask you this though. When he walks out of court and he's doing that and he won and he's really given basically the court the business, does that right. go back again though? Like I like where I said it changed from his beat down in the street for, for jaywalking. Isn't that where that comes from? You're young, you're youthful. Yeah, you got me here, but I fucking, I got you back. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, and again, I, I always get nervous when I say this because it sounds cowardly or like I'm kowtowing. 
But even when he had the first altercation with the cops when he was jaywalking and they beat him up. Now, make no mistake about it. The cops were racist. They were wrong. I even think they tried to hint that they knew who he was yes, by did. his name, Shakur. They did. They and, did. and, you know, Black Panthers and cops. Oh, even more reason to fuck with this And knew he was a rapper that they wanted to show right. him that he doesn't have any, <clears throat> he doesn't get any extra benefit for right. it. With all that being said, and, and we've said this repeatedly, when dealing with the police, as wrong as they are, as racist as they are, isn't the goal to come home? And if the goal is to come home, as wrong as the cops are, as racist as they are, as much as you want to spit in their face and say, go fuck you and suck my dick, why do something that might not ensure you coming home? Well, I'm even going to change it to a different... I'm going to not make it as, as horrible as, as that. <clears throat> I'll make it like this because this is really what it is. This is about moving through this, this world in, in a very methodical way. In sports, if you beat a team, let's say you win a championship, you beat a team, right? You won the championship. Do you rub it in the people's faces that you beat? You're not supposed to. Why? Because there's a pretty good chance you're going to be playing them next year. Same thing. Street rules. If I beat the cops, there's a good chance I'm going to be playing them again. You don't right. want to give the advantage or to give extra incentive to the other to the other team. And it's and again, this is why I say I cringe when I say this because there are some people out there, black folks, who just don't see it that way. They go, "Nah, you a bitch. You being a punk. Fuck that, nigga." And those same people that say that often can also be the ones going, uh, dearly beloved, uh, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. You know what I mean? I don't know if I'm you saying that right, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, like I, just, I just go, hey, you can't fight for anybody if you're not here. There you go. Like, even, even when, when, when you go, uh, how he gloated when he walked out the court. And then later when he... Uh, was convicted for the alleged sexual assault on the woman. Listen, man, I've said this. White folks don't forget shit. And in a judicial system that's not fair and that's racist, what you get away with with them today, they penalize you. I can't let you have that but either. Wait, before, you yeah. before you dismiss it, mm -hmm. like I said, when OJ served the time he served for stealing his own shit back, the time he got, the punishment didn't fit the crime. We know why he got that time. Yeah, it was to make up for the other one. Exactly. So my point simply is, when you George Jefferson your way out of court and you show up to court by not wearing a suit and by gloating, that may have a carryover to when it's time for you to be in court for something else. The judge might give you some extra sting on your sentence because of what you did last time. Nigga. Well, N let me say that last part. Nigga. Because that's how white people and the system does us. Yeah, but you keep saying white people in the system. Who brought the charges? I know that, Andy. But don't. That doesn't change the point. I, I understand your point. I, okay, so that's all I'm saying. I know where you're going. What a black person brought the charges. That's neither. No, no, no. But you, you don't don't sell it short like that. I'm not selling oh, a black person. No, no, I, I'm I, not, I, I didn't. I didn't. I'm not selling it short. What I'm saying is that doesn't change my point. No, it doesn't change your point. But uh, that goes back to 
Black people sold black people into slavery. Yes, they did. But that doesn't change the other shit. No, but what it's important is that that, that case never comes to court without her doing that. I him. know your math. I hear your math. I hear your math. But one doesn't change the other in that in that sense. I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the system didn't come after him at that point. But the system remembers. The system does remember. It has a long memory. Right. That's my point. Yeah, and I'll give you, you, I, I, you I'll go with when you. When you don't wear when you don't wear a suit and you George Jefferson your way out of court as a black man, the system remembers that. Well, as a white man, the system's gonna remember it too. The, oh. No, no, no. I'm just saying the, the government doesn't like being fucked with by anybody. I know. I know. And I'm, I, I understand know. what you said, because <laughs> what you're saying is it's extra with, uh, with, with, with black folks. There it is. I understand that. There it is. But no, but it's always been extra, 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 extra with us. But what I'm saying is they're going to get whoever mocks them. Are you going to get extra? Probably. But they're going to get whoever mocks them. So that makes it okay. No, no, no. What I'm saying is everyone knows that. Right. When he did that, he basically, he might as well just turn down and said, and fuck you too. Right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not denying what right. you're saying. I'm just saying it, it's not, it's not something that just works in if one you, direction. If you and I were in a jail cell and a dude said to you and I, hey, I'm going to fuck both you in your ass. But with you, Aries, I'm going to wear a condom. Does that make it less? Is it lubricated? Because <laughs> if it's lubricated, it might make it less. Okay. Um, yeah, there we go. Let's end that right there. Part one. Brought to you by Durex. But who? Durex condoms. Oh, hilarious. No, nigga. Magnums. Nigga. Magnum. I, I think Durex makes the Magnums. Do they? Yeah. Oh, okay. I wouldn't know because I, I don't use condoms. Uh, <laughs> I'm in a 15-year relationship. I am too, in a way. <laughs> um, so yeah, man. Uh, through epi- I can tell you now, but maybe I'm speaking prematurely. From episode two to five, I don't really have extensive notes, but this is such good talking shit, talking points. Yeah. That I know the next one will probably be an hour, maybe even some change. Uh, yeah. And I have a certain way I would love to start episode two, but we'll we'll okay we'll get into that on the well we're just, we can just keep going yeah I know but don't we we let's because we're doing a two parter though so yeah let's give an outro before you do anything okay yeah well, okay yeah. we'll leave this yeah. uh so yeah y'all uh, and you got to give out dates oh yeah yeah what am I doing yeah okay get so, it together baby so you're Steve, Steve, them, you're, Steve you're gonna you're have hit. to have Steve cut that out though all that what? stuff you just said why oh well I thought you wanted cleaner than that but. we we're gonna clean it up now. Okay. Listen, man, you're hitting them corners too goddamn hard. You almost made me spill yak on my suit. Get it together, baby. You know where that's from? Uh-uh. What is that one? Uh, next Friday with my man Clifton Powell as Pinky. When the limo come around the corner real aggressive and he get out and go, man, let me tell you something. Look here. You're hitting them corners too goddamn hard. You almost made me spill some of this expensive yak on my suit. Get it together, baby. Let me tell you something. Clifton Powell is one of the most underrated he must be giving his flowers actors between him as Pinky and Friday and Cuddy and Dead Presidents. He knows how to play a nickel. <laughs> nickel. Uh, 
as you're listening to this, uh, we were in Portland and we're going to be, when you hear this though, we're just up the road. We're at Cobb's Comedy Club. A lot of high Andes out here. I want a high. In Portland. Yeah. Yeah. High Andy. <laughs> I'm gonna see if y'all can decipher that without Dude, there, saying. There's more though uh Hispanics out here than there are black people out in Portland, I think. I think so. But there's a lot of high Andes. Hi Andy. <laughs> can I buy you a drink? I did not get one of those high Andes. How you doing? What's your friend's name? Aries. Hi, Aries. That kid who came up to you and goes, dude. Yeah. The ball, he said, the white kid said, Aries, the balls on you to tell a bleep joke. As many bleeps are out here. And if you guys are going, what are bleeps? Hi, Andy. <laughs> I'm going to take a seat from coming to America. What did he say? I'm going to tear you apart. <laughs> and your friend, too. <laughs> I forgot that's in coming to America. Yeah. So we're at Cobbs Comedy Club. We're going to be there uh, June 1st uh, through the 3rd. Uh, just a quick three days. We're in and we're out. It's five shows. Come check us out in San Francisco. San Francisco. You know what they got a lot of out there too? Hi, Andy. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. June uh, 9th through the 11th, we're going to be at the Pittsburgh Improv. Followed by June 15th through the 18th, we're going to be at the D.C. Comedy Loft. Our first time out there, guys. Come out, support. Not in D.C., but at the Comedy Loft. Yeah, D.C. Comedy Loft. Yeah. It's in D.C. Yeah. Uh, and then the following week, I'm back in Arizona with Aries at the Tempe Improv, uh, the 23rd to the 25th. Yeah! Tara's coming out with me. Okay! <laughs> what? And then we're going to be heading over to Irvine Improv. And that's going to be July 6th I really hope we could get a good guest in LA. Yeah, we're going to have to get a few because I'll be out there for a few days. Yeah, man. I would love to get Amanda Seals. I'm going to come hang out uh, with Aries. We're going to hang out in LA for a few days. I'm going to drag him over to the comedy store. Yep. And uh, go check out the comedy scene. Uh, and then that following weekend, we're going to fly out to uh, Sacramento at the Punchline. Well, you got this is a big West Coast swing. Yeah, that's why I'm staying on this side of the country. Wow. July 13th through the 15th. So you're going to be away from the pussy for a minute. Yeah. Oof. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going back, though, in between some of those dates because I'm not going to go all that time without seeing Tara. I mean, that's what that pussy do make you come home. Yeah. It's a long flight. All right. <laughs> it's a long Anything else? Oh shit! Yes, uh, man. Look, I, I'm, I need to get it. Cut these corners. Cut these corners. You goddamn hard. Get it together, nigga. Uh, goddamn these fucking emails, man. I mean, there's fucking shitload of them. Okay. Uh, coming up. It's my man. He's uh he's he's starting to become in the rotation a little bit. Uh, like my other dude who once was in the rotation. Yeah, I'm your greatest artist. I'm your number one artist. Remember that nigga's name? Yeah, the I do. Doctor. Yeah. I wonder if he still listens. Probably not. I bet he does. Let me tell you something, playboy. Uh, Phil Thrill. Uh, me and my wife had a great time at your show in Dallas. Tell Andy I said what's good. Thanks for all the love, homie. Yeah, this is from uh, Phil Thrill. Uh, he didn't leave his fucking... Uh, Phil, you didn't leave your Instagram, but I guess you can look him up on the Phil Thrill 
This is LAX DFW Houston. I think that's the name of the song. LAX to my Los Angeles, Dallas, Fort Worth, and Houston. Phil Thrill, y'all. Enjoy. Now I don't wanna be bothered to Dallas LAX to Dallas It be really wildin' LAX to H-Town LAX to H-Town Said it really goes down LAX to Dallas LAX to Dallas It be really wildin' LAX to H-Town LAX to H-Town Said it really goes down Yeah Love me when I'm gone They gon' love me when I'm gone Hate me when I'm home Even though I'm Doggy style, you can get Ling on your side. Those are your only choices. This is my house and I get to say. Got it? 